Hey everyone, you're listening to the Career Quest podcast created out of the Career Center. We will explore and discuss a variety of topics such as inspirational stories of Northwest students, work relevant skills for today's workforce, insights into organizations and their hiring practices, employment and labor market trends, and much, much more. We want to support students by maximizing empowerment through education and experience. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's employer panel. Uh, My name is Tyra. I'm going to be your host today. We have some really awesome uh, panelists here that we're going to be interviewing for uh, today's panel where we're going to talk about uh, the virtual workspace and kind of all of the complexities, the challenges, the benefits. But before we get started, I do just want to do a quick land acknowledgement. So I am here hosting from Treaty 6 territory. That's the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, uh, Soto, and Nakoto Sioux. And I think that land acknowledgements are a really important part of ongoing reconciliation and paired with the land acknowledgement, realizing what we're acknowledging and the history of the land. That's the truth part of truth and reconciliation and being able to sit with some of that uh, heaviness and the heavier realities is a really important part of reconciliation. So that is part of why we do land acknowledgements. And I think the other part is to, you know, kind of be grateful for this land that we're on that is Indigenous land. Okay, so thank you for being here, everybody. I am so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be hosting, and we're going to get on with just some introductions. So first of all, we have Andrea D'Ocampo. Andrea is the, just one second here, is Talent Solutions, Robert Half Talent Solutions. That is the company. Andrea, I will let you say your title because I don't have it in front of me. Um, And also, if I pronounce anyone's name wrong, please tell me. It's not rude to correct people when they say your name wrong. So, Andrea, you can go ahead and kind of give a brief introduction about yourself and your position. All good, Tyra. So I'm Andrea Diocampo, and I'm a talent acquisition manager for Canada at a Fortune 500 company called Robert Half. So we are are in the professional staffing corporate space. And through my career with Robert Half, I've been able to change thousands of people's lives and really support thousands of businesses now to a grander scale across Canada. And I'm so happy to be here to share some insights on what's happening in the work world across our country. Amazing. Thank you so much. And we're so excited to hear from you today. We also have here with us Jennifer Florax. Jennifer is an author of two books, uh, The Hunt and Survival Guide for the Working World. Uh, Jennifer was also the most recent guest on our Career Quest podcast. Please go listen to her episode. It's episode 14. She shares so many awesome, awesome insights. Uh, So Jennifer, you can go ahead and give a quick introduction. Uh, well, thank you, Tyra. I'm happy to be here. I, I do live in Edmonton. Um, I am a local author. Um, as Tyra mentioned, I've just recently published The Hunt um, with the subtitle of The Job of Finding Employment. So 
um, seemed very timely to, to join uh, this podcast. Um, and my previous book was called Survival Guide for the Working World. So essentially, I'm a working mom. Um, and I'm a mom first, and all these conversations I had with my children on behaviors in the workplace, make sure you um, become a functioning adult, um, and as they got older, um, how do you find a job? How do you interview for a job? And they just turned into books. So um, it, it was just kind of a labor of love, um, and I'm here to share as my continued role as a mom. I figured if my kids need to know this, so does everyone else's. So. I, I love just sharing on that that experiential knowledge that I have, and um, I love these opportunities with Norquest. And a little plug: my daughter is an alumnus from uh, Norquest, so even extra happy to participate here. Amazing! Thank you, Jennifer. We're so happy to have you. And shout out to your daughter, who is Norquest alumni. Uh, we also have with us Kelly McDonough, who works with the University of Alberta. Kelly, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, like she said, my name is Kelly McDonough. My pronouns are she and her, uh, and I am the Office and Program Coordinator at the University of Alberta Career Centre. Um, I've been with the U of A for 12 years, um, and currently the University of Alberta has approximately 40,000 students that come from 156 different countries. Um, and so I'm always excited to be able to help students do experiential learning activities and um, do a bit of discovery to figure out what it is they're interested in and and um, follow that um, that path to to interesting career opportunities. So I'm very excited to be here, and I actually have a Norquest practicum student from the admin program starting on Monday. So, wow, awesome! I love all the connections to Norquest. Thank you, Kelly, and welcome. We also have today Rebecca Mullins, and Rebecca works with RBC. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, my name is Rebecca Mullins. I am a digital banking advisor with RBC on a on-campus location at McEwen University. So there I focus on financial literacy for students and helping them prepare for careers and searching for careers after university. Um, I just graduated from McEwen myself in 2020. So I've done a couple of virtual interviews, even one for getting this job recently. So I'm excited to share what I've learned and I'm also excited to learn more myself for any future interviews I might have. Awesome, thank you so much, Rebecca. And I am Tyra Whitson. I'm a career coach uh, with the Career Center here at Northwest College. And again, I am the host for today's panel. So if we're ready, we're going to get into some questions. I think I'm going to uh, direct the first question to Kelly. What would you say, or sorry, how would you say the COVID-19 pandemic accelerated the shift to remote work, which is working from anywhere? Yeah, so thank you for this question. Um, I definitely will be speaking from the perspective of, of the Career Centre. The university is such a huge employer that I, I can't possibly address what other units are doing because it's so vastly different. But I do know that the university tends to move at a bit of a glacial pace. And so um, our employer is not one that typically moves to new technologies or new types of work very quickly. And um, 
COVID caused the university to have to shift to remote work um, on a dime, basically right away. And so um, we went from working in the office to working fully remote for two weeks over the course of a day. And um, that soon, as everybody knows, turned into a month and then two months. And then next thing you know, it's been two years. But um, that shift really happened so quickly. And I think it caused employers to have to take a look at things like what jobs can actually be done remotely? What are the benefits of having people do either certain jobs? or components of their jobs remotely? Um, how can that change talent acquisition? How can we reach people that potentially couldn't live in the city that that employer is in? Um, and then also addressing things like, can your employees actually leave and work other places or do you require them to stay in the city that they are employed in during that time? So I think that's all been very interesting and different employers definitely have um, different approaches to that. Uh, but for me, it was really enjoyable being able to shift to working from home um, and, and integrate that into working hybrid now. Thank you. Thank you so much for that answer. Uh, yes, I definitely am relating to a lot of the things that you're saying. Um, I'm wondering, Andrea, do you have anything from your perspective that you'd like to add to Kelly's answer? Yeah, I would say that a lot of organizations from our more bureaucratic organizations that do take a long time to to make or implement changes to our startup not for profits, the ones that can be more nimble the trend is more remote and more hybrid at this time. Um, and so with the future of work, it's important for employees as well as employers to consider the consequences of hybrid and remote work because it isn't for everyone and it's only possible with certain roles as well. Yes, that's a really good point. Um, so on that note, I'm wondering what are some of the consequences or the challenges when it comes to working from home or hybrid work? And maybe Andrea, I'll let you just kind of um, continue on from what you were saying. Yeah, so one of the two biggest challenges would be um, collaboration as well as, um, so collaboration, camaraderie, and then communication. So in terms of hybrid and remote work being successful, it really takes two parties, the employer and the employee. So does the employer have the platforms, the tools and the technologies to allow remote work in the first place? And then secondly, does the employee have the technological literacy to be able to learn pivot and collaborate with colleagues remotely. It is a different world. It really, really is. Um, it could even be as simple as this Teams meeting. There's different backgrounds you can use. You have to unmute or mute yourself. Um, in terms of video sharing and making sure that everyone's on the screen, there's the ability to pin people. In terms of how to facilitate conversations, you could either approach it as a free-for-all or you have to raise your hand. How do you unraise your hand? There's so many little nuances that, again, it just makes it, it takes much more effort, but once you get the hang of it, it really is a beautiful space and a convenient space for, for people to work together and build those relationships. But there are those challenges. So still important to have some in-person component when possible. Yes, thank you for that, Andrea. Um, and I agree, I think as well as 
the literacy, it's important to, you know, consider if you have the interest in online spaces, because if you don't and if you find online spaces to be extremely draining, then some of these settings just might not be a fit for you. I'm curious about some of the benefits that have been observed. Rebecca, I'm wondering if you'd like to speak to some benefits of virtual work. Definitely. So one of the major benefits I've seen personally is that when your workday is done, it's just done. Like you step away from your computer and you're already home. You don't have to worry about the commute. You don't have to worry about, okay, do I have everything packed away properly? Am I forgetting anything? Is it the weekend? Do I bring this home? Do I not bring this home? It's everything is right there and available to you, which is amazing. Um, and then another benefit is that you have access to everyone. Um, so if you need a to speak with a colleague who's in Toronto and you're in Vancouver, that's just as possible as talking to someone else that is also in Vancouver. Um, you have access to such a wealth of resources now in your colleagues that we might not have had before. So true. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, I'd also like to just add that there is an inclusive element of online work. Um, it's it's a lot more accessible in some ways, uh, also less accessible in some ways. It just depends on the individual needs and competencies. Uh, Jennifer, I would love to hear from you what you would say are some of the skills and competencies re required to succeed in the virtual workspace. Well, definitely echoing some of what's already been said is the technical competencies that required, um, but it's also intrinsic as well. So if um, folks are not good with setting their own schedule, then, you know, maybe that hybrid work isn't for you and you need that nine to five set hours. However, if you're very good at setting your own boundaries at home, um, being able to adjust your work schedule as needed, you know, the hybrid work option gives a lot of flexibility to maybe you have young children that are sick for the day um, and you can work part-time or as, as Rebecca mentioned, the commute, lovely not commuting. Um, and, and just really the other, I would say, issue is those of us that maybe are workaholics and don't know how to shut it off um, without those um, boundaries of a set, set schedule. So it's really being intrinsically aware of what your skill sets are um, and what your ability is to maintain your own work-life balance. That's a really good point uh, about the boundaries. Thank you for answering that. I'm wondering, um, do you have anything to add, Kelly, about the competencies required to succeed in the virtual space? Yeah, I think um, kind of an extension of what's already been said too is um, understanding the physical pieces of technology that you have, whether that's your own technology or technology that's been issued by your um, your employer, but being able to problem solve that technology. So if you're at home and you're having internet connection issues or you're having an issue where you can, like this, uh, this morning I wasn't able to get my mic to connect and so I was troubleshooting it, um, but being able to do that on your own, being able to potentially Google some of the issues you're having and, and find solutions, that kind of stuff, because you don't necessarily have the same access 
to tech support that you might have if you're in a physical building. Um, and of course, depending on, on what type of um, supports provided by your company. But I think that that problem solving piece has been very critical during, during COVID. And I know I've been providing a lot of long distance support to my colleagues from home. Um, and so that's, that's something that I think is a, a big asset and the ability to go, I don't know, but I'll figure it out um, and doing some troubleshooting that way. Love that. Thank you for that answer. What are employer expectations for virtual interviews? Things moving virtual, uh, that's definitely an area that has been impacted by the shift to the virtual world. So many interviews are held in a virtual space now, even for jobs that aren't largely going to be uh, virtual. So what are employer expectations for virtual interviews? And are there any different expectations with virtual than in person? And I think I'll direct this question to uh, Andrea to start. Yeah, really great question. So right now um, in my seat and prior to, I was actually working with thousands of companies, local Edmonton, Alberta, now across Canada. And what I can say is that in terms of leveraging remote options to interview, it's like the top priority out of all those interviews that I've seen and conducted myself or have heard of companies conducting themselves, I would say 90% are virtual and 10% are in-person. Um, I see more in-person for more executive roles, but other than that, it's all remote. In terms of what is expected of job seekers when they do have a virtual interview, it's pretty much the same for in-person, but I feel like there's a lot more consideration needed virtually because now you're not hopping into a professional looking workspace to conduct the interview, right? So you have to remember that the technology that you're relying on is working in advance. Have you used the software that the company is using for the interview, whether that be WebEx, Zoom, MS Teams, a link directly on LinkedIn? There's so many options. So making sure you have that pre-downloaded. Secondly, where are you conducting that interview? Is it in your bathroom, your bedroom, your living room, your kitchen? Um, and if it's, again, due to budgetary constraints or living situations, try and find a public space that maybe is more quiet, doesn't have distractions in the background or noises. Um, and you can use a background like the ones that some of us are using today to then make sure that there's that privacy. And again, it's so hard to because the home is a private space. So at least you have that luxury to use backgrounds to create that privacy. Uh, dress for success. I find that unfortunately, as remote as being the norm, I'm seeing a lot more people dress casually. And it is impacting their you know, outcome in the interview, unfortunately. Because if that's how you're going to present yourself at the start, how are you going to present yourself six months in the seat? One year in the seat, you know? Usually it's your best foot forward on that first interview. So just treating it like if you were going to go in person are some of the considerations um, to take. And make sure you're prepared, right? Just because it's virtual, just because you can have your resume right on the screen or you can have some sticky notes, we can tell on the other side that you're not prepared. So yeah, prepare. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrea. Lots of really awesome 
insight there. Um, Rebecca, I'm wondering if you have anything to add or anything to echo regarding employer expectations for a virtual interview, and also uh, if there's anything that you think is different from in-person interviews. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would certainly echo what Andrea said about um, where you're conducting the interview. What's in your background? Do you want your employer seeing that in your background? Um, and then as well, <clears throat> excuse me, you also have to consider um, like your internet. So do you have other people in the home who are also using the internet at that time? Do they need to be on the internet at that time or could you possibly kick them off to hopefully give yourself a better video and audio quality. Um, your brother playing Fortnite, maybe that can wait, right? Things like that. Um, otherwise, it is, it's very similar to an in-person interview. Still, you still have to be professional, dress well, prepare, like Andrea said. It's first impressions, they matter a lot, um, whether it's virtual or in-person. You want to be prepared for it because how people see you for the first time is often that's how they remember you even if they have a second or a third interaction with you that first one is going to stick with them yes thank you so much i like to say that i used to for in-person interviews uh go there the day before drive there uh so that i knew that i could get there smoothly and the same thing stands for virtual interviews. You want to go there the day before to ensure that you can get there smoothly, uh, meaning signing on to whatever platform it is that your virtual interview is going to be held and making sure that all of the visual and audio is good, as well as the lighting, the angle, things like this. Um, Jennifer, I'm curious about your insights on how students, sorry, not students, <laughs> how people can stand out to an employer in a virtual interview? Um, basically everything that everyone's already said. So it's it's for preparation. Um, virtually speaking, definitely um, your presence. So, you know, remember where you are would be something I would say. You're, you are not at home. You are, once you hit that virtual interview, you are in a professional environment and you are expected to conduct yourself as such. Um, I had a colleague who used to say, um, from the desk up, I hope you look professional. Um, you know, when we had casual days at work and it, that always kind of stuck with me. So even now, you know, I don't care if you're wearing shorts, but from the desk up, please look professional. Um, I think another piece too, that I just want to touch on with the previous question um, a little bit is eye contact. Um, in a virtual environment, it's harder to make eye contact. Um, and I've noticed in, in some recent experiences that folks have maybe two monitors, but their webcam's on one and they're, all you can see is their profile. And I can't see your eyes. So can make sure that when you're staring at that screen that you are making eye contact. And even if it's more than one person, you know, you're bringing that professional um, vibe in that you are engaging with each person that that is interviewing you like chances are it's more than one person so whether you're in person or virtual um, you know stand out with that first impression um, it's the most important thing whether you're making that virtually or in person and eye contact and body language is probably the best way to make yourself stand out so I don't want to see you slouching on your couch with your laptop visibly on your lap um, I want to see 
in a desk or a chair or something that's a neutral background without, I don't need your kids on your lap. You are in a professional environment. You wouldn't bring them to a in-person interview. So consider where you are. Kids are lovely, love it, but in that context, make sure that you are, you're putting your, your headspace into that professional environment and make that eye content, make that first impression. Yeah, thank you so much. And just to add on to your piece of advice about children, that also goes for dogs. I have dogs and listen, they've been part of some interviews. They've had some opinions, some some things to include. And yeah, so it is a great thing to prepare for and maybe have somebody who can care for your animals, children, partners, whoever might be a disturbance in your interview. Um, Rebecca, I'm wondering, do you have anything that you'd like to add as far as how someone can really stand out in an interview? Certainly. Um, I would say lighting is huge. Um, I am looking at my screen right now. I see that the sun is actually giving me a wonderful beam right across my face. Um, avoid that if you can. I didn't know this window would do that. So definitely check that out before you sit down in the space you're going to be sitting in for your interview. Prepare, make sure you know the names of those you're going to be meeting. If possible, know about the company um, just because it's a job. Yeah, we know you're applying for the job because you need a job, but they want to know that you want to work for them, that they're just, they're not just another interview that's lined up for the week. You want to be personable, you want to be memorable. So if you show an interest in them and in their company, that shows that you would be someone that would have a passion when working for them. Um, yeah, it's all about just that impression. Um, be prepared. I know there's a great question I always suggest people use. I've heard it thrown out before too in interviews at the end. If you want, you can always ask, was there anything that came up during this interview that I could address before I leave today that makes you think I might not be a good fit? Um, and then you have the chance to address those things right there on the spot and they're not left to the end and they went, oh, they were really weird about this one answer, um, but possibly you could have clarified that with, yeah, my cat was trying to climb up my legs at the time. So I was a bit weird, my apologies. and. You can rectify things like that, but remember that the person interviewing you is also human. Um, they want to connect. Humans are social creatures. So yeah, hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> that's very helpful. Thank you, Rebecca. I love that question. I have never heard that or considered that, but that's, that's really awesome. It'll uh, be something that I remember for sure. I'm curious from all of you if you are finding that you're still doing in-person interviews at all. Um, and I know Andrea already spoke to this a little bit. Um, so maybe from the other three, are you finding that you're doing in-person interviews at all? And if so, what would you say the kind of percentage is? And we'll start with Kelly. 
So I chatted with the managers in my office because I don't actually do the interviewing. Um, I do a lot of the the preparation and calling and booking things and stuff, but I'm not the one doing the interviews. Um, and they let me know that obviously during COVID, we were doing our interviews 100% remotely, um, but their preference is to do them in person. And so um, it's slowly shifting back. Uh, right now, we're looking at about one third to a half in person. Um, but it, it's slowly shifting more and more. Part of that too, is that with, um, with students on campus, not all of them do have the ability to have a place that is quiet, a place with reliable internet. They may not actually have the technical equipment. They may just be having a smartphone and, and earbuds or something like that and not feel that that's sufficient. And so giving them the opportunity to come in person if they would like to, uh, does help with that. Awesome, thank you. Uh, Jennifer, what are you noticing? Uh, still trending on the virtual, but my colleagues that in my day job, um, we tend to take into consideration comfort level. Um, there's still some folks that have some challenges, um, you know, potentially health or, or just COVID challenges. So we make them an offer. What would you prefer? And we put it in their hands. Um, and I'm, I'm running about one third. Um, to two thirds, so one third in person. So, it I, I I leave it up to the candidate to ensure their comfort. Um, they're probably more nervous than I am, so I want to make them as comfortable as possible. Oh, interesting. So some people are getting choices. That's that's good to know. Rebecca, what are you noticing? Um, so I spoke to a couple of the recruiters within RBC about this just to see what they had to say. Um, and it sounds like a lot of the positions with RBC will start off with phone or virtual interviews. Um, it's easier just to get a lot of interviews done when they're virtual because you leave one and you can hop right into the other. You don't have to walk anybody out. You don't have to find someone sitting in a seat, things like that. Um, but then once they get down to the final set of candidates, that's often when it might be in person, um, especially if it's an in-person role. So especially if you're going to be working, sorry, working in a branch, then you will be working in person. So they want to meet you in person. They want to see what are you going to look like when you show up for work? Um, what does your demeanor look like? How do you hold yourself, right? So things like that are definitely in person. Some of the more remote jobs, those ones are remote interviews. So it seems to depend a lot on the role um, and how will you be carrying out the role, whether it's in person or virtual. Definitely mostly virtual interviews, but there are still in-person ones. So I wouldn't say you would never have one. You definitely will at some point. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Hopefully that gives our listeners a bit of a sense of what to expect. I'm going to start with Andrea for this next question. How are you finding the employees in your workspace are responding to the shift from in-person to online or hybrid work? I have found that the majority are receptive. Um, at Robert Half specifically as an employer, uh, we have given employees the choice. So we still have our lovely office space downtown in Manulife Place in the business hub if people want to go, but it's completely optional. Um, I would say the majority of us have continued to work from home. Um, when it is nicer outside and the roads are fine, we do see more voluntary visits to the office. So really it's up to the choice of the um, 
employee at this point from a Robert Half perspective. When it comes to our Robert Half clients, so companies that partner with us regarding their hiring needs, what we hear from them is that their employees have also been receptive. We're noticing a I guess a trend across the country where certain provinces are going back to the old ways. Um, and unfortunately, Alberta is one of those provinces um, where, you know, through the pandemic, we've seen that whole push across Canada, regardless of province to remote work or hybrid. But now we're kind of see, we're seeing a little bit of backpedaling on policies for certain provinces and Alberta is one of them. So we are seeing more and more roles that are more full time, 100% in office come up again versus, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. So that's something to keep a lookout for as well. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Kelly, do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah, so the University of Alberta um, has implemented a hybrid work policy, which, for, again, for the speed that things typically move here, um, feels like an asteroid as opposed to a glacier. But uh, I'm very grateful, and I do know a lot of my coworkers um, like that flexibility as well. Um, there are people I find that are quite polarized. So we have some staff that even in the midst of COVID, if they had the ability to come into the office, that was their preference. Um, sometimes that's to do with um, family uh, commitments at home and, and children and all that kind of stuff. It was easier to come into the office um, and have your kids at, at their daycare or, or whatever, and then be able to create that divide. Um, but then we have had other staff, myself included, who were very happy to be remote um, and I, I don't mind telling you, I was a bit of a poor sport when I finally had to come back into the office and, and the government of Alberta said, all right, it's time to go back. And their employees went back and then the university had to follow suit. And I did not want to. But I have seen a lot of um, bonuses or pros to coming back into the office part time. And I am now fully on board for a, a hybrid model um, for my type of role. Awesome. Thank you for that. <clears throat> How can students build their technological literacy, which just means comfort with technology? Uh, let's start with Jennifer. Well, that's, I am technology not savvy, um, but I would say practice makes perfect. Um, you, through COVID and, you know, those forced situations where you suddenly had to, you, you do get better. Um, using a familiar platform or something that's more intuitive to you would, would make more sense. Um, and take a couple courses. Um, Microsoft, for example, has free courses. So they, they are able to help you out in that way. And there's so many different troubleshooting um, platforms that will help you learn how to either connect or not connect. And sometimes you have a colleague. Um, that's super tech savvy that you can give, give a quick phone call to and they'll help you out. But practice, maybe if it breaks good, then maybe it's a learning opportunity. Um, but just keep trying would be my suggestion. Awesome. Thank you for that. Practice makes perfect. There is also, you know, tutorials available online that you can look into for whatever it is that you're trying to become comfortable with, um, as well as always asking questions. It's okay to not know things that are new to you. It's okay to not know things that aren't new to you. It's okay to not know things. If you don't know something, 
then that's just the reality. So ask questions and reach out for support. Uh, Rebecca, I am going to direct this next question to you. How would you say you can achieve a work-life balance while working remotely? That's an excellent question. I would say the biggest help would be to keep your workspace at home separate from your living space if possible. Um, if you do have the privilege of having an office, then the office is where you go to work. And when you leave that office, work stays in the office. Um, if you don't have that privilege, then maybe it's a desk that you don't sit at unless you are working. And then it helps create that kind of, I don't want to say barrier, but the distinction in your mind from work and your personal life. So even if you're in the same room that you usually work in, because you're not sitting at that desk, you're still able to relax. Um, and then making sure that when you are supposed to be working, that you are working. I know Jennifer mentioned this before of being able to schedule yourself um, self-discipline. It's really tempting if you have your TV right next to you or the fridge is just down the hall with all those really tasty snacks that you really want to eat right now. Maybe don't. <laughs> it can be really, really hard, um, especially if no one is there to watch you or catch you doing it. Try to keep focused on what's there. If you need to remove the distractions, then remove them. Um, but yeah, I would say keeping the spaces separate, even if it's just in your mind, is super important. Thank you, Rebecca. Andrea, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that question? Yeah, and I, I'm speaking from the perspective of a workaholic. So for anyone that's the same, this is so important. Uh, we actually did a survey across Canada and in May 2022, it showed that 36% uh, of those surveyed feel more burnt out than the year before. So that's a true challenge that everyone is coming across. I know more for our workaholics here. And, and you know, when it comes to another survey, 74% of professionals found that they were working more hours than they did in their role when it was 100% in office. That's me too. So in terms of how to create those boundaries, um, I know Rebecca alluded to having that private space, but if you don't have the ability to do that, you know, try to commit yourself to logging off at a certain time. And when you do log off, unplug your devices, maybe even store away your devices in a box and put it somewhere far away. So it's literally like you're stepping away. It's almost equivalent to like a drive back home from work. Um, another equivalent to that too, to that commute is taking a walk. I found for my mental health, after work, just stepping out of the house, going for around around the block, and then coming back home, it made me feel like it was separate. Um, and so, so those are some of the things that you can do to help create that separation because it is, it's tempting. It's right there, right? All you have to do is just log back on. But if you create those barriers like unplugging your devices, stowing it away, putting a blanket over it so you don't see it, it helps. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, I love your advice about taking a walk once your shift ends. Uh, I do find for myself that having rituals in place to help me shift from one mindset to the other has been really important. Uh, for me, that means, you know, once my workday ends, lighting a candle and turning on music. So, um, Rebecca, did you put your hand up? 
I did. I just thought of something I'd like to add quick as well. Um, even though you're working from home, even if no one is seeing you, it can still be really helpful to still dress for work. Um, it still puts you in that mindset of working. So even though it's tempting to just roll out of bed in your pajamas and go to work in your pajamas, if it's something that you need to do to just give you that another level of distinction, dress up in your work clothes and then you can always take them off when you're done for your work day. Awesome. Yes, thank you so much. This to me feels like a really important question. Um, so I'm just wondering, Jennifer or Kelly, do you have anything that you would like to add to this answer? Uh, Kelly, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. I uh, I think the only thing I would really add is that in addition to setting those boundaries for um, kind of blurring the lines of working too much, I think it's also important to set similar styles of boundaries, um, almost like a check and balance. So it's very easy to go, okay, well, I'm allotted a 15 minute break. I'm just going to go switch over my laundry. And then that bleeds into, well, while I'm switching over the laundry, I'm also just going to quickly change my sheets and those sorts of things. So um, I have talked to staff before who have set timers on their phones um, and similar to I'm a workaholic and I never take my breaks. So I set a timer to make myself go outside for 15 minutes or to go read the newspaper for 15 minutes or something, set yourself those same sorts of timers, set your timer for lunch so that your hour doesn't start to slowly become an hour 10 and then an hour 15. And next thing you know, they're bleeding longer and longer. Um, and also depending on the type of job you have, I have a lot of flexibility to set meetings. And so I try and set meetings at times that I know are going to be the best for me as far as um, kind of brain power for collaboration. Everybody has times a day they feel the strongest at that sort of stuff. But I also will set them you know, I'll have a meeting at 1.30 so that if something runs late and I don't quite start my lunch at noon, that's fine. But at 1.30, I've got a meeting. So by 1.15, I'm prepping to make sure that you're having a bit of a, a timeline. And and you miss out on those um, impromptu hallway conversations with people and stuff when you're working remotely. So it is nice. Sometimes you have a meeting with people just to touch base and see what's new with their programs or, or what's happening with their portfolio. So... I think it's important to to tell other people what your boundaries are um, with the virtual environment because you don't need travel time, let's say in between floors, buildings, locations, um, you can cram a lot more meetings in because you're teleporting from one meeting to the next and it's very easy. So, you know, setting your work hours and saying, no, I'm not taking a meeting between 12 and one because that's my break time. Um, and I can say that it does get easier um, you know, when COVID first started, it was hard to get going. You're at home. Everybody's at home. Um, you know, scrambling for space between, you know, yourself and your husband and your two children that are in college and the bandwidth was crazy, but it, it was hard. And then now it's like second nature. Um, you know, whoever's home that day, they all have their space. They know not to bug people. Whereas previously it was so um, new and exciting that, oh, look, mom's here. She can cook breakfast. And it's like, you know, hard pass. I got a meeting. So like, it was just, it's the getting used to it. Um, and then echoing what Kelly said too, is the, the benefit of hybrid is you have that dedicated work time, but you're missing out on the hallway conversations, the hallway conversations, coffee waiter. That's where you learn the best things. Um, and you share information. Oh, by the way, I'm here. 
oh yeah, I have to go there too, or do you want to share, or I have this bit of information. So it's just not as natural virtually because you don't generally chat and say, by the way, and tell someone where you're going. Whereas in that hybrid space, you have that lovely balance where you can go in a couple of days a week and then you get away from maybe your family that's at home. And then you also have that added benefit of, of with no commute, you can get more done and you're more productive. So it, the hybrid is just the, the fantastic way to go. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, your insights on that question. So our final question from me is, what are some common mistakes that people make in virtual interviews? And I think I'll direct this to Kelly. Sure. So I think actually a, a lot of this touches on what we talked about for interviewing. It's it's a lot of the same thing. Um, where what are the expectations of, of an interview, but it's, you know, um, being aware of your background, your lighting, um, ensuring that the volume that you're speaking is, is going to be good, um, making sure they can hear you, but you're not screaming, um, looking into the camera instead of looking at your little photo in the bottom corner, because otherwise I'm doing this and you get a lot of forehead, um, testing everything first and making sure that your, your software is downloaded, you understand how to log in. Um, and also knowing that interviewers know that technology problems happen. So if something's not working, don't panic. Um, just take a deep breath, keep your calm. That actually reflects a lot about you as a person in that interview, if you can keep your cool and, um, and, and not acting like it's, um, I guess just uh, a chit chat on the couch with a friend, make sure that you are sitting in a real chair, even if it's at your kitchen table and uh, treating it like a real interview, being fully dressed head to toe for a real interview, putting yourself in the correct headspace. Don't come straight from doing something to sitting down and logging into that interview and, and you're out of breath and your brain's not a um, kind of, you're out of sorts. You want to make sure that similar to having sat in a waiting room, waiting for that interview, you're doing the same thing in person. You're sitting down and you're taking a few deep breaths, getting yourself in the right mindset. Um, yeah. I think I think th those are the the lump of them, I think, for me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to our panelists. This has been amazing. This has been so wonderful. Uh, just an absolute wealth of insight from all of you. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you to everyone who joined our session. OK, awesome. Well, have a really great day, everybody and have a wonderful weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye. Enjoy. Feel free. I'd also like to throw out, feel free to reach out to myself if you want. Um, come by McEwen. We have a space there. I love talking to people, students, staff, just random people. Helps the day go by. <laughs> yeah, awesome. and you can find me on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect. Yes, LinkedIn. Take one thing away from this LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I have a website, so Jennifer Florax. Um, just Google my name if you want to get in touch. More than happy to chat. Kelly, any plugs? Have a great weekend. <laughs> I work at the university, so <laughs> find me there. I'm on LinkedIn. Absolutely, feel free to to message me if you want to come by the U of A. I'm here. It's a beautiful campus. Awesome. And I will just say that for all Norquest students, uh, you can visit us 
at the Career Center. Um, you can visit the Career Quest Hub, which is just you can go. I'll put it in the chat. Norquest. Uh, ca slash career center and you can also contact us at career center at norquest.ca uh, lucy just put that in the chat you can connect one-on-one -on -one with career coaches to talk about anything regarding your career success so that is career planning building a resume cover letter practicing for interviews uh, anything like that and we also do lots of cool events and workshops and presentations we also have a job board that you can uh, access through our website so please connect with us we're a free resource to all northwest students while you're a northwest student and also six months after. Okay, thank you so much, everybody. Bye. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to the Career Quest podcast. You can connect with the Career Center by emailing us at careercenter at norquest.ca or by visiting our webpage, norquest.ca slash careercenter.